welcome back to another episode of Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. It is day 18 of this calendar year, episode 68. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the present Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. <laughs> welcome back, Tommy. Thank you, I'm present. <laughs> yeah, well, you weren't present the last episode. I wasn't episode. present the last time, that's right. Yes, that was two weeks ago. That, right, and then you had a tech week. Yep, and then I had tech week last week, so and we couldn't record. You had... And you missed Bryce when we had I him on here. Bryce. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did, he did a switcheroonie on me. He did? Yeah, because he was supposed to be here the week that Kristen was here. Yes, that's right. But yeah, he couldn't make he it then, sick. so then Kristen filled in. And then I got sick the next week. But yes, we had a good time with Bryce. Yeah, yeah, you always do. Bryce is awesome. Yeah, but we're glad to have you back. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, and- yeah, just to be vertical. I mean, up and not crying. <laughs> That's, that's always a good thing. That's yeah. And like that, my like you said, so my show finally opened this past weekend, the Pavilion at South Shore Theater Experience. Yeah, very well. Really good. I was really, I was impressed. I directed this show. I didn't know this show at all until I was asked to direct it. And you know, I was there for the whole rehearsal process and everything. It's only three actors, and then you, I finally see it on stage, and I'm like, this now is a life of its own now. You know, oh yeah, and it was. I was. I was seeing it then in a different way, and it, it's. It's really a good play. It's really a good show. I'm really. I'm really proud of this one. Who wrote it? A man named Craig Wright. Not familiar with him. Not me either. But it's a very good show. One of the actors plays seventeen roles because it takes place at a high school reunion. Okay. And yeah, it's really good. Uh, Ted and Debbie uh, Plazia star in it along with Christopher Hackard. Right. Who plays the 17 characters. Right. Does a wonderful job. Yeah, so yeah, I was really happy. They had a good opening weekend. Good for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, now, you, I you had a new show. see it. What's that? I won't be able to I see it. I know, because of the show you're working at, it's Studio Theater. It's the, And it's this the, is the week that they both have the Thursday night. Yes, of course. Isn't that, t- timing sucks. That Thursday night is so convenient. Now, what's the name of the show you're working it's at? it's not. It's an original called Panic on the Front Page. That's it, by Claude Solnick. Claude Solnick. Yeah. I don't know Claude. I heard he was there. I didn't meet him. Okay. Um, we are two degrees removed from, you know... Like any Long Island theater person, you're only two degrees removed. Uh, I, I, I'm part of his Facebook group. He's got... Okay. Okay. He always... What's interesting about... He always changes the banner on the... Not the, not the picture, not the profile picture, but the banner that's on the top of your page. Okay, yeah. He changes that... All the time. Regularly, which I find amusing. I don't know why. <laughs> but now I think it's great because he, you know, he, 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 whatever's opening or, you know, whatever, he puts something up for the, the theaters. So it's about the War of the Worlds broadcast. Yes, by Orson Welles in 1939. Right. And the play posits that the panic was a hoax created by the newspapers. Okay. They, uh, as a way to rein in the radio. Radio was new. Really? Radio was new and radio was gaining power. And, you know, it went from radio to TV to the fucking... That's an interesting premise. Um, I've never seen it from that perspective before. And and then, you know, the Act 2 thing is none of the the writers, none of the people involved in the broad... There's only five or six people in the cast can name a single person. Name some person who had a heart attack. Name one person who had to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. Name one person who was trampled. And there were none. I mean, it caused a panic across the country, but there were no fatalities or anything like that. And what they no, there, there, there wasn't even anybody like 
the, the newspapers were saying people were hospitalized, they were having heart attacks, they were being trampled, there were all of these things were going on, and they were for all you youngsters out there who don't know what we're talking about. In 1939, Orson Welles did a radio broadcast of the story War of the Worlds, which was about an alien invasion of the Earth. And supposedly, the way it was recorded, it was like there was some other radio station program on. It was like some band playing music, and it was right. being interrupted by all these news broadcasts right. of the spaceship landing and which people being attacked. So interesting. And people thought it was a real oh, story. Oh, yeah, and that's what caused this panic. Martians so that's the basis attacking. of this play. And he's, they're saying that nobody could identify a single person who was so affected. That, yeah. Um, they had physical symptoms or that. They say... You've heard stories like people that got in their cars and drove and off drove, or whatever. Yeah, dro yeah, drove off cliffs. Yeah, uh, craziness and without any sort of fact or any, any, any um, evidence. Right. I mean, it wasn't an intentional hoax. It wasn't, this was just, it all happened by circumstance. Well, Orson Welles had a contract with CBS Radio that every week or every two weeks, whatever it was, regularly, he did a broadcast. Right. His troupe of... Yeah. And um, this that was... was the Mercury Radio Theater. It, exactly. And this now is, we're coming up in the late October, and uh, we have to do this show, and what are we going to do? And they decided to do this, and... It's it's just interesting. It was an interesting way to look at it. Like you said, it's a you, you told that story, yeah, and that's what you know about that story. That becomes yep. canon, right? And then suddenly somebody comes along and says, "Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't true." Yeah, like nobody really listened to it. Only two percent of the population listened. Yeah, to it was a small thing. percentage. It yeah. was more word of mouth that. Oh my God, we're being invaded by Martians! Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was. It was. It was a big step between those two. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested. Once my play ends this coming weekend, I'll definitely be making plans to come see that. Oh, because we have the third weekend. Yeah, you have the third. Mine only runs two weeks. Does weekends. she always only do two weekends? I'd say probably ninety five percent of the time it's, it's only two, two weekends. weekends. Yeah. She just likes to have constantly new shows coming, coming in, in all the time, whether it's original material by local artists or you know established plays. Right. That's why I got David too. Is the so you know the support for local artists, local artists, right? Yeah. Because this is an original. He's got another original. This season got fucked up, but but the order of the plays matters. And this is this this play, Panic on the Front Page, is supposed to be the last play of the previous season. Uh, that's right. Yes, it was rescheduled. I remember that. So now. that they could do Elf. Yes. Or not Elf, Scrooge. Okay. Yeah. So now this is the last of that previous season, and now the new season begins with Fun Home. Good, uh, interesting choice. Interesting I choice. want to see that. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm I really want to see too. that. And then... Um, I have the score for that. It's a beautiful score. He, uh, the next show is also an original. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. So, I, yeah, I love that. I, love, I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So, what else you got? Well, I got some sad news for us to report. Oh, who died? No one died. Uh, the, GLAD, the organization GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, yeah, yeah. they had their annual media awards in various categories. And unfortunately, we were not nominated for Outstanding Podcast. Podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. Who was? I don't remember to tell you the truth. Okay. No one that I recognized, unfortunately. No Randy Rainbow? I don't believe He's so. He's got a good podcast. I didn't even know he had a podcast. He interviews celebrities. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got to look for that then. Yeah. it's uh, I love him. He's so gay. He's just... <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so talented. <laughs> And he's so handsome, and uh, I just love him. Well, I guess we'll move on to our very first segment then. Mm. There you go. Mm. 
Yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. And we're going to start with a shaggy dog story, so to speak. Okay. This came out on Tuesday. There is this disabled homeless veteran named Richard Osthoff. Okay. And in May of 2016, he was living in a chicken coop on a highway in New oh, Jersey. Dear. Oh, dear. And he suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, and he had a service dog named Sapphire. And the dog was in desperate need of surgery to remove a cancerous tumor. So after he saw a vet with the dog, the vet said, Hey, I know this guy, Anthony DeVolder. He runs a pet charity called Friends of Pets United. So I guess he spoke to DeVolder, and he successfully raised the funds for the surgery. And then um, he basically deleted the fundraiser from the internet, and he disappeared with the money. Who? The guy or the doctor? DeVolder. The doctor. The doctor. Not the doctor. This Not guy, doctor. this guy, Anthony DeVolder. Anthony DeVolder. Yes. And he uh, also shared a series of texts that he had with DeVolder saying that Sapphire was not fit for funding all of a sudden. Sapphire then died on January of 2017 after Mr. Osthoff was unable to afford the surgery. He then had to beg on the streets to raise money for the dog's uh, cremation and euthanasia. He then discovered that he had been duped because the IRS could not find a record of this charity called Friends of Pets United. And the name, Anthony DeVolder, you might know him under the name of George Santos. Oh, man. Our local congressman, at least the congressman of my district anyway. I don't know about yours. No, he's not mine. Now, he's my congressman. Okay. I didn't know it went all the way out. What is it, the whole North Shore of Nassau County? What's that? New York 3. Yeah. Is it the whole North Shore of Nassau County? It stretches it's from like Queens, Queens County, like across Nassau County. I, they, they, it's weird, di weird districting. I don't know how they decide okay. how they do, draw these districts. It's all political. Uh, but yeah, he's my congressman from my district. Okay. And he pulled this shit. On a fucking guy and his dog. People suck. This guy's particularly... Well, this guy is just a pathological liar. He should not be in office. Uh, you know, he, he's, yeah. just, he's, he's a scumbag. His you whole know? path there was um, lying and, and deceit and mm -hmm. uh, shit like this. You know, there was no, there's no public service record here. No. Him. No, not at all. Like Donald Trump. These fucking guys from New York, man. I know, right? What is it? What's fucking going on, man? Bags. I know. Bags. And then another story here under heavy petting that was brought to my attention by none other than John Steele. Okay. There's a product of uh, dog chews or alternative to rawhide called Dreambone, made by parent company Spectrum Brands Holding. And recently it's faced criticism from pet parents and food and safety corporations. A site that monitors consumer complaints called Safely HQ received more than 70 complaints about the Dreambone brand in the past year alone. What is it? Is it a bone? Is it a food? Is well, a recently some woman had a Pekingese dog, gave the dog one of the treats, it then got violently ill and died within 24 hours. Oh, okay. All right. That kind of place. So, yeah, and also looking at the news on this, there was a 2016 lawsuit against the company alleging that the co that the product contained sorbitol as a third ingredient, okay, which is classified as an indigestible sugar alcohol. The suit was dismissed after it was settled out of court. Of course. So, I mean, I hear a horrible story like that. All I can tell people is before you give your dog this shit, no matter what it looks like in the store, the pretty bag or whatever, yeah, yeah. check the ingredients. Yeah. Check the company's background that makes it. I mean, there are, I'm sure there are certain... 
overseas companies that I won't name whose products I would not necessarily trust. Well, this you is know, good, this is the good thing about Louis and his thing with 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 uh, toys. Well, I was just telling you that I can't have a regular squeaky toy for him. Mm-hmm. He pulls out the stuffing. They all do that. It's annoying. Yeah. So I was able to get him stuffing lists. So they were like the skins. So it's just like Muppet fur with a squeaky thing in it. And what he does is he 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 likes to shred them and eat it. Okay. And the first time you help pull a stuffed animal out of a dog's ass is really the last time. So all those toys had to come up. So he he's a, a ferocious chewer. So what do I give him? I, you know he chews. He'll chew. You know, but he eats it. He can't just chew it and leave it alone. Yeah. He, he actually consumes whatever he's chewing. Okay. So anyway, somebody recommended to me yak cheese tricks uh, uh treats yak cheese okay okay so it's made from yak cheese actual yak cheese okay and milk uh, and cow milk yak milk and cow milk mm-hmm. and then i think they just leave it alone for a while okay okay and it gets really really hard <laughs> and it takes forever for them to chew well, he goes through one a week. Okay. Okay. But he can eat it because it's just cheese. So I don't give a shit about... You know, they're expensive, but why would you give a dog sorbitol? Why does it need that ingredient? Why does it need that ingredient? I don't understand. Right? What was its purpose? They, the dogs don't care about sweet necessarily. They'll eat anything. That's interesting. Yeah. Was it like a preservative? I don't know. But from what I was reading on some of these stories, they were like finding bits of like these undigested parts of the treat. They couldn't be digested. They were finding it in the dog's stomach or in intestinal or digestive yeah, tract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I took both the toys up from uh, from Louis because I'm not having to pay for him. Somebody to go in there and untie a knot of Muppet fur out of this dog. Yeah, right. You know, so no, you'll eat the yak. Where's the yak? So I highly recommend yak cheese. Yak cheese. Especially if your dog chews. Okay, good to know. They're not all chewers. We now move on to our canine compendium, our dictionary of dogs. We're up to the letter P today. P. Well, you mentioned a Pomeranian. I hope it's not pugs. <laughs> what else? P. Uh, oh, the Great Pyrene- Pyrenees. Mm-hmm. You haven't a, gotten it yet. That's a nice. That's a nice one. All right. Well, it's P and it's A. P A P A P B P C. I guarantee you do not know this one. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's what, what, what's this one? This one's called the Pachon Navarro. Well, you were right about that. And that is a picture of. Oh, he's cute. It looks like a spaniel. He's got spaniel ears. Oh my god, he looks like a spaniel and a fucking. Boxer. It's a Spanish breed of hunting dog that originated from the autonomous community of Navarre in northern Spain. Oh my god, he's little and squat. Oh my, he's weird looking. Well, yes, one of its distinctive looks is it's what they call a double or split nose. Yeah, see, I don't like See, yeah, like, that yeah, one yeah. way the nose is split right there in yeah, the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them have like a piece of cartilage like that separates the two. Okay. But that's what it looks like. They are they are believed to be among the oldest pointer dogs on the Iberian Peninsula dating back to the Middle Ages. They were thought to have gone extinct in the 1970s, but they recovered sometime after that. As of 2009, the total breed was estimated to be between 700 and 1,000. Oh, dear. Yes, it's a very rare dog. It's uh, 18 to 24 inches tall, weighs between four, 44 and 66 pounds, has a generally short coat, and the color is... And the number of colors on the dog can vary. But they are affectionate and fun-loving. They relate well to other dogs and are gentle with children. They get along with cats and other animals, other small animals, 
if trained with them or raised with them. If okay. not, they're likely to go after them to kill because them. Yeah, they're, yeah, a hunting they're a hunting dog. Squirrel. And, of course, Squirrel. a large yard Squirrel. is best for that kind yeah, of dog. Yeah. But it's a good-looking dog, right? Yeah, he's... he's yeah. It looks like a hunting dog. You know, it's got that hound look to it. Hey, that big picture looks like the ears look terrier and the face looks boxer. Yeah. And then the other picture with his body looks pit bull. Yeah, it's it's quite a mixture. It really is. Okay. So what's this dog called? The Pachon Navarro. And from Spain. From Spain. Okay. From the province or the autonomous community of Navarre. All right. So now you know a new dog. A new dog, yeah. So we'll move on to your favorite segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time once again for today's birthdays. And there's only one I put on the list today. There were quite a few. But I put on this one because there's a bit of trivia to this one. Okay. We know you love trivia. Yes. He was born in 1726 in what is now Germany. Karl Marx. <laughs> no, you don't know his name. Martin I'm going to tell you his name. Uh, his name was Prince Heinrich of Prussia. Okay. He was the brother of Frederick the Great, who was the king of Prussia. Uh, he was the younger brother of Frederick. Although he was married, he had no children. That's because he was quite gay and quite known to be gay. Okay. But he was also uh, seems like uh, quite a good uh, military commander. He led Prussian armies during the Seven Years' War and never lost a battle. Wow. And um, it seems that when the U.S. finally got free from Great Britain, you know, they the Constitution wasn't drawn up until 8, 1787. So in the meantime, they governed themselves under the Articles of Confederation, which proved to be an ineffective form of government. So at one point, it was suggested that Prince Heinrich of Prussia become the new monarch of America. Oh, dear. <laughs> the suggestion was made supposedly by Baron von Steuben, who is a Prussian uh, military commander who, uh, served with, uh, who served with the rebels during the American Revolutionary War. Okay. And was also known to be gay. And supposedly he passed this information on to Alexander, uh, Alexander Hamilton, who is supposedly may have been bi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, of course, no one was in favor of monarchy. And when they even brought the idea to Prince Heinrich, he, he declined. Of course he declined. <laughs> He died in 1802. Bunch of savages over there. But can you imagine? We could have had a gay king for the first leader of America. Ain't that just a queen? <laughs> a queen it's, by another name. It's just a queen. <laughs> so to Prince Heinrich of Prussia, we say... Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Prince Heinrich. Oh, he gets three of them. He is royalty, after all. Heinrich? Heinrich. Heinrich. Or Henry, if you prefer. No, Heinrich is hotter than Henry. I think so, too. Anyway, we now go on to our next segment. <laughs> Bring out your dirty clothes. Bring out your dirty We only have one this week. Isn't that too sad? Yes, and did, oh, well, it is kind of sad. I guess you don't know who it is, huh? Well, if we only have one. She was an Italian actress? Oh, uh, Gina Lola Brigida. Gina Lola Brigida. What was her Flintstone name? I didn't know she had a Flintstone she name. She was on the Flintstones. Really? The, the character, you know. Like, yeah. You know, Rock Hudson was a character. Let me see if I can find out. Gina, I th I'm, I'm almost positive Gina Lola Brigida had a character on the Flintstones. 
Let's see. F-O-I-T-S-T-O-N-E-S. <laughs> oh, here we go. In the second season, in the episode of Flintstones of Primstone, a one-time character is mentioned as Gina Lodabricks. Lodabricks. <laughs> Okay. Gina Lola Bricks. She was uh, born Luigia Lola Brigida in Italy in 1927. In 1950, Howard Hughes signed her to a preliminary seven-year contract to make three pictures a year. But she refused to uh, go to America to film. She wanted to remain in Europe. So Hughes suspended her. But he, even though he sold, I guess he, was in, he had RKO pictures at that time, even after he sold the film studio, he kept her contract and kept her in suspension. So she didn't start working American movies in the U.S. until 1959. Oh. All because of Howard Hughes having a little hissy fit. Okay, well, bitch didn't do what she was supposed to. I know. But her first widely seen English language film, which was shot in Italy, was called Beat the Devil from 1953. Directed by John Huston, in which she played the wife of Humphrey Bogart. Later on, as her film career slowed down, she established a second career as a photojournalist. And in the 1970s, she achieved a scoop by getting an exclusive interview to Fidel Castro. To interview Fidel Castro. Yep. Gina Lola Brigida. Gina Lola Brigida. All right. Well, they didn't think of sending a tall Italian woman with big tits and a fine ass to talk to Fidel before that. <laughs> that never occurred to anybody. Apparently not. No, no, we're going to send somebody who looks like... Barbara Walters. Yeah. If, if, you know, you had a female at the time. Wasn't her whole thing, like, sex? Like, sort of the Italian... Well, yeah, she mean, her, Sophia Loren, they were on the Italian sex bombs at yeah. the time and stuff, yeah, I, you know? For some reason... Although I think Sophia Loren was taken more seriously as an actress. That's what I was just going to say. Gina Lola Bridgewood, I think, was taken more as the sex symbol type, you know? Okay. But she had a, you know, she had a, a very good established film career, so... Yeah, yeah she, had, you know, she had a reputation. No. Also in the 1980s, she starred in the TV series Falcon Crest as Francesca Gioberti. Oh. A role that was originally written for Sophia Loren, but she turned it down. Sophia Loren's not <clears throat> never going to do television. No, of course not. Of course not. Then in 1999, Lola Brigida ran unsuccessfully for election to the European Parliament. And in 2022, in the Italian general election, at the age of 95, she ran unsuccessfully for a seat in the Senate of the Republic. Okay. But uh, she was married twice, divorced once. She, her second husband died in 2006. She had one son, and she died this past week. Is he hot? Oh, the son, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. What's his name? I thought I don't know either. I didn't, think, I didn't think it was important. Lucia. <laughs> no, the Italian sex symbol dies. We're not going to take a look at what her adult son might look like. <laughs> So sorry. Jesus. Get a subscription for something. Like, where's your libido? <laughs> get you some blue pills. Yeah, I'll get you some blue pills. Shall we move on to our next segment then? Okay. Uh, this is the Today in History! You know, since Kristen was here, all I can see is Patsy with the coconuts. <laughs> But go ahead, what happened today in history? Today in history... Wait, hold on. January 18th? January 18th, 1967. Oh, okay. January 18th, 1967. That was like two months before I was born. 
Okay, well, this almost in, to the day. This involves a man named Albert DeSalvo. Albert DeSalvo was a killer. Yes. What killer was Albert DeSalvo? What was, his, what was his you name? Should, no, you're the one who follows all the serial killers. Yeah, but this guy, I know his real name. Well, yeah, that is his real Albert name. Albert DeSalvo, yeah. But he's known by the... Um, his hillside? How did he uh, supposedly kill people? Yeah. Uh, uh, Albert DeSalvo. Came from the city in Massachusetts. Okay, tell me. The Boston Strangler. The Boston Strangler. <laughs> okay. Albert DeSalvo. Right. Well, he was convicted on this day in 1967 and uh-huh. sentenced to life imprisonment. And what happened to him? But it wasn't for the Boston Strangling murders. Oh. It was for a series of rapes okay. that he uh, allegedly had committed. They were known at the time as the Measuring Man or Green Man tapes. Okay. we got to get a committee together to name these crimes. Okay. you know, the, the Green Man tape? The tape yeah. man? that Yeah. I don't know how they came up with those names. The Boston Strangler sounds like somebody to be afraid of. Right. The guy with the green tape? Well, anyway, after they had arrested him for these rapes, and he gave a detailed confession of his activities as the Boston Strangler, in which 13 women were killed. That's right. And he gave his testimony under both hypnosis and without hypnosis. Was there any reason for that? Well, I don't know. That's where where things get a little sketchy. He initially confessed to his fellow inmate, George Nassar, who then notified his attorney, F. Lee Bailey, who took on DeSalvo's case. And though there were some inconsistencies, DeSalvo was able to, able to cite details that had not been made public. However, there was no physical evidence to substantiate his confession. If they had physical evidence, they wouldn't have needed a confession. Yeah, Exactly. So they didn't have that physical evidence either. Sorry. So what happened then, he ended up standing trial for robbery and for the rapes, and Bailey was handling his cases for that, and he wanted to bring up his confession to the Boston Strangler murders as part of an insanity defense, but the judge ruled it inadmissible. It wouldn't allow it. So then it went to a jury. The jury found him guilty of these rapes and sentenced him to life imprisonment. Now... There's always been doubts about whether he committed all of these murders because of inconsistencies in his testimony and the fact that all the victims were of different ages, social statuses, ethnicities. The the modes of killing each of them were different. They were all women. They were all women. That was not the only thing in common. Some were hand-strangled, some were strangled by ligature. Okay. So they don't know. But in one of the cases, a 19-year-old named Mary Sullivan, they exhumed DeSalvo's body and they linked his DNA to a sperm sample found on the body of Mary Sullivan. Okay. And concluded it was his DNA. Ew. So he was definitely involved in Mary Sullivan's murder. Well, he, you know, he left semen on Mary Sullivan. Yeah. That's all that tells you. Yeah. I mean, you know. Now, did you ever see the movie with Tony Curtis? I don't know. What was it oh, called? It's, it's called The Boston Strangler. The Boston Strangler. It stars him as Albert DeSalvo and Henry Fonda as the cop investigating the murders. Okay. It's not, it's really fictional because they portray him as having like multiple personality disorder and then he's in a psychotic state when he's committing these murders. Okay. And they make him look like a total nutcase. He was never, the salvo was never diagnosed with multiple personality right, right, disorder right. or anything. The film, so it's really fictional, but Tony Curtis is really, really good in it. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would recommend it, but don't take it as fact, you okay. know? 
So, so, so what happened? Is he still alive? Is he? Oh jail? no, the Salvo. He was murdered. He was found. Oh dear. He was found uh, dead, uh, stabbed to death in the prison infirmary on November twenty fifth of nineteen seventy three. They stabbed him in the infirmary. Yep. And they don't know who did it. Well, I think they found someone, and I I don't know what happened. I think that he may have been tried for, but they were acquitted. I don't know. I don't remember. But I don't. But basically, yeah, he was murdered. In, in prison. In the infirmary. Mm-hmm. With a knife. <laughs> Clue. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like the infirmary is the kind of place where there's people watching. Uh, you would think, right? You no, know, it's not the kitchen at 3 o'clock in the morning. No, right? I know. Go figure. But yeah, so that was a little interesting tidbit of history. Albert DeSalvo. Albert DeSalvo, convicted today. Happy for... Oh, okay, never mind. Yes, he... he <laughs> no, no, it's not his birthday. Okay. <laughs> We're done with birthdays. We're done with birthdays. <laughs> Oh, we're doing Patsy and the Coconut. We're now moving on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. Ah, yes, it's time for What Day Is It? Patsy and the Coconuts Patsy. is a great name. <laughs> it could be a band. Yes, I'm thinking a band name. Yeah. Like an tiki bar. Yeah, it could be, it could be, yeah, it could be a drag show. Patsy yeah. and the coconut. Patsy and the coconut. I like that. Yeah. Patsy and the coconut. <laughs> Coming to you at the Lizard Lounge. Animation. Yeah, yeah. Merch. Just... Right? Coconuts alone. Well, today on what day is it? You'll find this one delicious. It's National Peking Duck Day. Oh. Have you ever had Peking Duck? I don't know the answer to that. I know a joke about Peking Duck. Oh, what's the joke about Peking Duck? The woman walks into a uh, butcher. Okay. She says, I want a Long Island duckling. Okay. And so the kid goes and he gets a duckling and he brings it out and he puts it on a thing and the woman takes a finger and shoves it in the duckling's ass and moves the finger around and says, this is not a so I want a Long Island duckling. So he brings three times. And every time the woman sticks her finger up the fucking bird's ass, moves it around, and says, this is not a Long Island duckling. I want a Long Island duckling. So she says, after the third or fourth time, she says to the to the kid, young man, where are you from? And he turns around and bends over and says, hell, bitch, you tell me. <laughs> That's my peeking joke story. It seems to me like I've had duck in a Chinese restaurant. Okay. Well, I, don't know, I don't know if it was Peking Duck. I don't either. Uh, I'll describe it for you. It's raised for 65 days before being brought to slaughter. The chefs pluck the duck and then pump it full of air between the skin and the meat. Okay. The meat is then covered with boiling water and Ooh. then skewered and hung to dry. While drying, the duck is glazed with a sugar coating and left for 24 hours. The duck is then roasted hanging from the center of an oven to allow the fat to drip Basting the skin as it does. It's traditionally served in front of the guest, and oh, it's traditionally carved in front of the guest, and served in three stages. First, slices of duck skin are served with sugar and sweet bean sauce as a dip, and um, the meat is then served with steamed pancakes and vegetable dishes. And then, also traditionally, diners will dip slices of the duck into the condiments and wrap it into a pancake with cucumber and other ingredients, in which they can either eat by hand or with chopsticks. The carved duck 
can be cooked in three ways. The traditional way is in a broth with ingredients like cabbage or tofu. It can also be chopped and stir-fried in sweet bean sauce. Or it can be sautéed and served with salt and pepper. Well, it would probably be prepared any way you make any protein. Well, yeah, I guess. But I mean, you could fucking boil it. But too. these are all the traditional ways yeah, yeah, of yeah, making yeah. Peking duck. Yeah. Originated from 14th century China. Okay, that's the most horrific carcass preparation I think I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's quite it's pr- pretty complex. Yeah, it really is. You have to really like Peking duck to make this at home. Now, it seems to me that Allison, Dean, and I went out to get food after something. Okay. And we went to this duck place in Babylon. Okay. And the food was delicious, and it was gorgeous, and it was a nice place. Uh, but when they served the duck, they had it caught. It came on a cutting board, pre-carved, but everything was in position. Oh, Okay. So it was kind of weird. Yeah, because they usually just carve it right in front of you. Yeah, well, no, he, he did it in the back, but he put he arranged all of the pieces so that he, like, sort of reassembled the bird. Okay. Flat. Yeah. On the cutting board. Okay. He put all the pieces in their relative positions. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was delicious. That's Americanized. It was, uh, Peking well, duck, yeah, it was Babylon, like. New York, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the hell are you expecting? Hey, when I order Peking duck, I want the real thing, damn it. Then go to Peking. (laughs) Peking? Well, now it's Beijing. Beijing. But who's going to order? I'll have the Beijing duck. That's China, right? Yep. Would you go there? China? Yeah. To visit? Yeah. Yeah. Not to stay. No. Would you take a vacation, book a vacation to China? It's not my top ten destinations, but yes, I would consider it. What about Japan? Japan also, sure. But not top ten? Not my top ten. I have other places I want to visit. Is there any place in Asia that just is in your top ten? India. Oh, no. (laughs) No, India is not in your top ten, huh? Uh, No, no offense attended. Okay. But, uh, no. (laughs) No. Fair enough. Under no circumstances. Wait, is there any place in Asia that you would go visit? Um, well, in your top ten? No, but I, I China, no. China does not interest me at all. What about Hong Kong, Singapore? No, Singapore's scary. Okay, that whole no chewing gum thing. <laughs> the whole area is sort of it's sort of um no. Okay. No. <laughs> the justice system is fucked up. They don't love the gays. Uh, they have. Ducks hanging from fucking storefronts. You know, it's not for me. Okay. But I would rather go to a place like South Korea. Okay. Or Japan over pretty much anywhere else <laughs> in that whole continent, subcontinent. Oh, and not India. Limiting yourself. Not India. No, not no. India? It's always August. <laughs> you know, they're all together in the fucking river. You know, you're insulting our Indian demographic that I listens know. to us. I, I, I understand that. See, I love... I l- from the pictures I've seen of India, I would love to go oh, and the, visit. The, well, pictures are always beautiful. Right? And I love Indian food. I, I'm not... Uh, see? That's where you get And it. I like to eat it like the traditional way. Like when we go to an Indian restaurant, we say, don't prepare it the way you make for Americans. Make it the way you make for other Indian people. All right. What does that mean? Is it spicier? Is it they is probably it... they probably add their usual spice instead of lightening it up for the Americans, you know? So you like, like spicy? I, I chicken vindaloo is a, is a considered a spicy chicken. I love it. Do you, you normally like spicy food? Yes, most spicy foods. Jalapeno? Yes. No, jalapeno. That's too much. That's too much. Jalapeno is too much. Yeah. Okay. Jalapeno. So you would say that Indian food is not as hot as like a jalapeno. Oh no, it can be hot. 
there are definitely t dishes that are definitely hot and not just spicy hot. There's certain things. Indian food always scares me not going in. Okay. But coming the out. The result. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I know I'm going to fart and, like, land on Venus. <laughs> so, and it, you know, so I, I have, I have, I have stayed clear of that. Okay. We've gone from Peking Duck to Venus. <laughs> I think we're going to move on to our well next day you, to celebrate. When you stop for some curry on steroids, <laughs> where the hell do you expect to land? Anyway, today is also National Treasury of Words Day. Tre uh, say that again? Today is also National Treasury of Words Day. Treasury of Words. You could also say it's also National Synonym slash Antonym Dictionary Day. You could say that. Do you know the, another word for syn synonym slash antonym dictionary? Uh, hold on, I'm, I'm stuck somewhere else. You can look in this book to find out another word for those. For the synonym and antonym? Yeah. What's another word for them? What's a word? What's a book you can look in for those? A thesaurus? That's what it is! The National Thesaurus Day! Okay. The word thesaurus That derives, was a long way to go. That's well, I'm telling you why now. Because it derives from the ancient Greek word thesaurus, meaning treasure treasury or storehouse of and words. it was usually meant um uh, it was usually referred to as a dictionary or a reference book of the source but it was in 1852 when peter mark roger published his roger's thesaurus now when did he make the champagne <laughs> i don't think it's the same person no i think it's a different person Roger. Yes. R-O-G-E-T. Yes. I think it's a different person. It's a big red cover with a white oval and it's, yeah, right? Yeah? Yeah. I think that's a different Roger. Not the same people. Not the, the same, same Not the same people. Okay. I think. Okay. <laughs> Put his name on everything, so. Do you know what the plural of thesaurus is? Thesauri. Thesauri. Very good. I always said thesaurus is out of my thesaurus stupidity and ignorance. you're an uneducated blob. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thesauruses. Yeah, so happy National Thesaurus Day. Yeah. Uh, let's go back for a second. You yes. said it was a dictionary and then... It was, or a synonym slash antonym dictionary. No, okay. And then I also said a treasury of words. No, and um, but then you said it was also a reference book. Isn't it still considered a reference book? It is, but it wasn't specifically known as a dictionary for synonyms and antonyms. It was just known... Any reference book could have been called a thesaurus back then, because it meant a collection of. Oh. Like a dictionary is a collection of words, I so that could it. have been called a thesaurus. So technically a dictionary is, you You could be... So it wasn't until Roger's thesaurus was published that it was applied specifically to a dictionary of synonyms and antonyms. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And did you know... That they're not all thesaur that not all thesauri are organized alphabetically. Some are organized by concepts. I, I would believe that. Yeah, I did not know that. It'd be easier to 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 use. It'd be more user friendly if you you know, instead of just looking alphabetically for a word, if you had I think that would be easier that way. I think there are too many words you miss. Like if you organize it into concepts or in any in any way. Right. Words about blank. Okay. Okay. You're gonna. Some things are gonna happen that you didn't expect or you didn't think of relative to that topic. True. It's interesting. Huh, I've never seen one of those. Yeah, neither have I. I've always seen the one in alphabetical, alphabetical order, order, right? So happy National Thesaurus Day. Yeah. Use it wisely. 
It's a good tool. <laughs> yes, it is. They have um, specific writing thesauruses. I wonder what one Stephen Sondheim used. He used to... Oh, he had to have had a couple, poet. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he had to have quite a few copies. There, but there's a specific songwriter's thesaurus or poet's thesaurus or... Well, there's a, there's also the, there's a rhyming dictionary. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, maybe that's it. There is a rhyming dictionary as well. Okay. So that could be it. Yeah, well, he put that motherfucker to use. Right. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment, which is... Turn Your Heading Cough. <coughs> Oh, my God, that was a phlegmy one. <laughs> Turned out to be real. Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Anyway, this is a, comes out of the New England Journal of Medicine. I love those guys. Which is like the Bible of okay. medical journals. Medical, yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't true until it's in the New England Me- Journal of Medicine. And I'll this is all peer-reviewed and pain in the ass up to the 10th degree before they even consider putting it in the fucking journal. Yep. All right, so these, these these people are for real serious. Yes, they are. Okay. And they came out with a new study today. Oh, God. That said that gender-affirming hormone therapy improves the mental health of transgender adolescents and teenagers. Okay, so some of these things are just so obvious. Like, there was the one where you, you did the story about the dogs who was able to tell of uh, something. And it's like, yeah, we know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody who's had a dog knows that. Yep. This is one of those things where it's like... It's stating the obvious. Yes. You would think. But there are people who are saying that this is destroying their lives. Tell me the story. Tell me the story. Well, the study tracked over 300 trans and non-binary youth across the country for two years as they took testosterone or estradiol or estradiol to help their physical appearance align more closely with their gender. Uh, they were all in various stages of puberty. How old were they? Um, okay, you're on it right now. Doesn't give the, uh, it says basically teenagers, various adolescents and teenagers. Yeah. And report found that depression and anxiety symptoms decreased uh, for the trans adolescents and teenagers and that life satisfaction increased after starting and continuing the hormone therapy. And I again say... Duh. Right. Now, also, the team behind this study uh, is also now a study researching the effects of puberty blockers, which, of course, uh, become a big controversy now. However, puberty blockers are considered to be safe treatment for children, and they have also been used for non-transgender-related care. For what? It didn't, didn't specify the article. Why would you... Why, but it's... In other words, they have, used, they have used puberty blockers. Maybe it's for some other physical disease or condition that they are inducing. Well, that's what I'm asking. Like, what, what would that condition be? I, like I, that I don't know. A teenager would need puberty blockers. But what they're saying is these are not causing physical damage to these children. That's what it's basically saying. No, that's not, uh, that's not what I heard. I heard it said that it, it put them emotionally and psychologically in a much better place. Oh, definitely. But oh, it didn't but, do anything about well, no, they have, they're studying the puberty blockers, but so far, on what we know now about them, they have, they're considered safe treatment for children. In general, this treatment you're talking about. The hormone therapy. The hormone therapy. Yes. Is that what you meant when you said that there's no physical... Like, no, no, no. The hormone therapy study said that there was a decrease in depression and anxiety right. and an increase in life satisfaction. So that's for psychological. Yes. Emotional. Yes. Okay. Anything yes. about how, how the kids reacted physically? No. Side effects, diarrhea, dry throat, uh, itchy ear. No mention of any still okay. side effects right. or anything like that. Right. Yeah, continue. In the meantime, for the 2023 legislative sessions, at least 11 states have introduced bills 
that would ban or restrict the use of hormone therapy for trans people. Did you hear about the six-year-old shot his teacher? Yes, I know. That's a whole... Can we talk about that later? We're on different. We're on this right now. Okay. Why are you bringing that in now? Because it seems like we're worried about the wrong things. Well, no fucking kidding. So that's what I'm saying. But states like Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Texas have already implemented laws or policies that restrict gender-affirming care for trans youth. Some states like Oklahoma have introduced prospective bans into adulthood, restricting access to this type of care until the age of 26. These are the people who object to government overreach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except when it comes to how you help your child. Well, it, what's in your pants? And what do you do with it? That's what we're focused on. Everything else just give to the corporations. Right. What we're going to focus on is what's in everybody's pants... And what they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I have nothing to say to those people except for stopping. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like I said, and this, stu- and this study is showing, hey, it works for these people. This works for these people. It's, it just seems like it's... it's you not, are helping these children. It's not, you're, not, you're only hurting them by what you're doing right now. Public discourse. Yeah. It just seems like this should not be public discourse. This is... Something between a family and a doctor. Yeah, no kidding. It's That's what it should be between a family and your representative. Yeah, a family and your doctor, a family and your preacher, maybe. It's the same thing. If with, you feel that way, the same thing with abortion. Uh, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what's in your pants and what you're doing with it. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me, and it it seems so obvious to me that that's the focus. Yeah. And I know it seems obvious to other people, but there's no shame that they in pursuing it. They they it is they're doing God's work. They're doing more. Shush! Just sit down and shush. <laughs> yeah. Just shush. Just shush. You can feel however you want to feel. Just just shut up. Not your family. It's not your child. Right. You know. It's not your patient. It's your fucking. She lives down the block over three from the left. Person. Stop it. Yeah. I know. It's it's out of hand. It's like it really is. Tom, legal. Peeping Tom. Because now we know who's got a transgender child. And now we know who the transgender child is. And that... You know, yeah, enough. Stop it. Right? Enough. Anyway, we are now moving on to our next segment. <laughs> yes, it's time for a look into my briefs. Here we go. <laughs> Let the games begin. Well, this Friday... Coming up is the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. This is the thing the kids from Parkland did. No, 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 no. This is a whole different March for Life. This March for Life has been held since 1974, a year after the Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade. Oh, okay. So this is the pro-life. So this is the pro-life march. And of course, they're going to be celebrating the Dobbs decision. Of course. Good for them. So I figured I'd take a look at what's been going on in the country since the Dobbs decision came down. Okay, what happened? Well, since June, near-total bans on abortion have been implemented in Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and West Virginia. And there are legal challenges pending against several of those bans. In Wisconsin, elective abortions are unavailable right now due to legal uncertainties faced by the abortion clinics. And in North Dakota, where there was only one clinic, they moved to Minnesota. In the meantime, bans passed by lawmakers in Ohio, Indiana, and Wyoming have been blocked by state courts, while 
legal challenges are pending. And recently, in South Carolina, the state Supreme Court struck down a ban on abortion after six weeks, ruling that the restriction violated a state constitutional right to privacy. Also, abortion opponents uh, were defeated in votes on ballot measures in Kansas, Michigan, and Kentucky. Really? Yeah. Kentucky? The people voted down abortion bans. In Kentucky? In Kentucky. In Kansas. Kansas, I can understand. They voted it down. That's Kansas. I, 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 That's Bob Dole country. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, to, to me, Tennessee is the biggest surprise. No, was it Tennessee? No, that was... No, no. It wasn't Tennessee. It was Kansas, Michigan, Kentucky. and Kentucky. Kentucky. Same thing. Yeah. Tennessee. To me, Tennessee, Kentucky, same thing. A lot... That whole list, that first 13, 12 names, states you listed... Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I could do that with you. Those right. are the people who should, you know, that's the Confederacy. Well, that's what I mean. We're turning into a, this is like the 19th century version of free slates and states and slave states. Yeah. You know, now yeah. we're going to have pro-choice states and no abortion states. Well, pick a topic. You could do that with any topic. You know, the, and, and the, the thing is, the results are pretty much always the same. You could tell who's going to be on what side of any issue. Yeah. Give or take. But I think between this and the previous story about the trans health care, I think we're getting to the point where we're going to need a federal constitution amendment protecting the right to medical care of your choice. I that's what I think agree. we're that's what I think we're getting to at this point. I think we need to mind your own fucking business. Yeah, but and obviously I'm... we can't. But I I really think we need a a, a, a a right to medical care amendment at this point. To address all these issues finally and say, mind your own business. The state has no place in this. This is between the person and their doctors. That's right. You know? That's what I think we're coming to now. Because now we're just going to have this back and forth between the different states. You know, well, here's the thing. What's going to happen when the, st- uh, when the anti-abortion states start punishing people for traveling across state lines to go get an abortion in another state? Oh, then it's up for Joe to leave. Right? You got to get out of it. Yeah. Because... I'm thinking we just want the state to pay for it, but we don't want their opinion to dictate what it is we're going to do in it. That's that's the argument. That's basically the argument. Yeah. We want the state to pay for it. The taxes are going to pay for it, but we don't want you to have anything to say about what goes on between me and my doctor. Right. That sounds okay to me. Yeah, I think so, too. Like a religion thing. Right? The state cannot interfere in a person's medical choices. And I'm sorry. they're certainly getting the uh, benefits of... Ah, uh, hello, Stephen. He's bringing in cookies. I don't want to open the new ones into the old ones. Oh, fine. Be like that. Mom, is that you? <laughs> yes, it is. Jesus. Mother Prendergast. You ready for some soup? No, I'm not. Thank you. I'm good, though. I may hit one of these. No, no, oh, no, no. I told you. Good soup. No, my sister just made it. My sister just oh, made okay. a big old pot of pea soup. Ah, okay. I can't, like, pea soup is something I gotta, I, it's tasty as fuck. I love it. I can't stand the smell. <laughs> So it's like I have to approach it strategically. I have to heat it and then let it sit for a few seconds. But you know what I mean? Like this things I got to do with PC. <laughs> Thank you. Bill. Oh my God! I think we'll move on to our next segment. Oh, yes, it's time once again for the week in fascism. I was almost going to change the title of this segment to The Week in Politics, but there's so much shit going on, I was like, no, it's going back to The Week in Fascism. Yeah. Because there's just so much shit going on. I think we should do 
This week's misogynist. This week's misogynist. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Well, one. No, 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 no. Not misogynist. Not misogynist. Well, we have the stupid people. No, no. Yeah. Well, misanthrope. Misanthrope. Misanthrope of the week. Misanthrope of the week. We're going to save that for after stupid people, then. <laughs> misanthrope of the week. That was one of my drag names. Really? Misanthrope. Of course. Why am I not surprised? Up there with gingivitis. Anyway, this story comes out of the Washington Post. Antihistamine. <laughs> and it looked at the January 6th committee report and its work and everything. Okay. And even though it wasn't really addressed that fully in the report, it said that congressional investigators found evidence that tech platforms like Twitter failed to heed their employees' warnings about violent rhetoric on their platform and bent their rules to avoid penalizing conservatives, particularly then-President Trump, out of fear of reprisals. The report details how most platforms did not take any dramatic steps to rein in extremist content until after the attack on the Capitol. Okay. We're going to get to the point where the government's going to end up regulating social media because of shit like this. Which I don't necessarily think is a good idea either. I'm not in favor of having to have this regulated as well. Put yourself in Twitter's pants. Everybody's saying all of the media, the social media, all the all of the those those the the MAGA people, the right wing people, the conservatives are crazy complaining about how they're being censored on these platforms. Right, and they're not. They're not. Of course they're not. They they collect and gather and... and but they excel at being because victims. Of, but they're the victims. So, so people don't like what we say, which means we are being uh, censored. Mm -hmm. They're not the same thing, but it's an easy argument to make, and they make it. So I can understand where somebody would say, you know, we're already being accused of this. This will just give them proof. They, this is easy to turn into proof. If they turn around and say, you can't write shit like that on this platform, they're going to say, you're censoring me, and they're going to be able to prove it, because we said, you can't write shit like this on this platform. Yeah. So what are, what, what are those people supposed to do in a situation where they're back is up against the wall. Do they do it or don't they? Well, they report it to their corporate overseers and their overseers say, don't worry about it. Don't say anything. Yeah. So, I just love the idea that the entire media is left-wing and they're, yeah, all, they're all owned by Republicans. It's bullshit. And no, it's all corporate-owned and corporations are traditionally conservative in nature. You think that you think that the guy who runs and owns CNN is a, is a, is a Democrat? Oh, please. Hell no. <laughs> please. The, the guy, guy they got now? MSNBC. The new guy America. who wants to put now two hours of a comedian doing the news now weekly. He's running it. But he's not the guy. Chris Litt. Who bought it? Not no, he's, he's the guy running it. He's, he's the new CEO it. there now. They got a lot of they got a lot of Republicans on there now. Yeah, all of a sudden, right? So they want to do both sides now. I like it. I gotta say, I like it. I want to hear the other side. They always had the other side. They just never chose to be on there. Well, well, something's changed because they're all over. Because the now they're getting softballed. Oh, That's why I have not been softballed. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Oh, oh well. Anyway, we're going to move on to another topic under this week in fascism. Lamo, lamo. And this time we're going to the state of Missouri. Okay. It seems that um, Missouri voters recently passed a constitutional amendment to legalize recreational marijuana. 
Good for you, Missouri. I bet in Missouri you fucking need to get high. Right? And two years earlier, they voted by uh, by ballot initiative to expand Medicaid. Good for them. Well, the Republicans in the uh, Missouri General Assembly are not happy about this. Well, they wouldn't be. So now they're proposing all these laws that would make it more difficult for voters to amend the state constitution. One of the proposals would increase the number of votes required for a measure passed, such as requiring a majority of all of Missouri's registered voters, not just those who voted. Which, of course, would never work because most people do not vote. It's a ridiculous idea. And that's that's the whole thing. It's a ridiculous idea. They also want to make it harder to put a, constitu- a constitutional amendment on a statewide ballot by raising the signature requirement. These are the kinds of things that it do. I mean, like I said, both of these things were placed on ballot initiatives. These, and these are only like, there's only like 26 states that has this ability of passing these ballot initiatives. And they don't like it. They don't like it. These Republicans in Missouri don't like it. So they want to suppress the vote even more. Yeah, well, well Republicans are, don't like voting. No, obviously not. They don't like voting. No, because they, they don't. They don't trust the voters anymore. Uh, well, it doesn't, because the voters don't trust them. They don't, <laughs> you know, they don't win when people vote. How can they? they so, so they they try to make it difficult for people, and then specific people. They learned nothing from this past election. They really did. They learned nothing well, from no, it. No, what it did was it lit a fire under their ass and now they know they need it. Yeah, but now they're they countering more. But now they're can cow, cow now the Republican Party is countering to a significant minority in the party of extremists. If they're gonna get them elected and paid for, it doesn't matter. Mm. That's who these guys are. Clearly, that's who these guys are. Yeah, but... That George Santos still has a seat and is being seated on committees... It's disgusting. It's And it's about... It's an insult to all the voters on this district, whether you voted for him or not. It's about... Uh, or, or, no matter who you voted for. Because, you know, you go in with good faith. Yeah, you're expecting that when he says he did this, he did this, and that you don't have to do a, your own fucking background check on every fucking candidate. I want to know where the... Democrats were. Oh, I was going to address that in my gripe of the week. Okay. <laughs> but now we're going to move on to the next part of this week in fascism. The Republicans in the House of Representatives want to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security. Who is that? His name is Mayorkas. Okay. Do you know why they want to impeach him? I don't. Because of his alleged negligence in handling the southern border and the immigration issues. Currently. Yes. Okay. Just so you know, you can only be impeached any officer, whether it be the president or a cabinet officer, for high crimes and misdemeanors. No crime has been alleged against Mayorkas. He's only being alleged with negligence. They, yeah, they don't like him. But they're going to move to impeach him anyway. In the history of the United States, only one other cabinet officer has been impeached by the House and was acquitted by the Senate. Well, yeah. And that's what's going to happen here. This party, and well, I'm, I'm, I'll say my final thing after my next topic, the debt ceiling fight that's coming up now. Do you know what's going on with yeah, that? Yeah, this happens every couple of years. It happens every couple of years, but this year it seems like it's going to be very dangerous that these Republicans, especially these extremists, are saying they want significant cuts in programs uh, before they approve of raising the debt ceiling. And they're not going to get it. Well, well that's, we don't know that yet at this point. So if the House... If the, house the, tr- the Treasury Department is already taking precautionary measures to forestall the country breaching its current debt ceiling. Is the debt ceiling the... Inter- the, sole the debt ceiling is what we've already paid for, basically. But is it the sole responsibility of the House of Representatives? No, it's the U.S. government. is behind the U.S. You know, faith and credit in the U.S. government. So, so if the House of Representatives 
want to not vote to raise the debt ceiling. And the other, the Senate votes to raise the debt ceiling. Is that how it happens? No. The House has to pass it. The House is in charge of appropriations. So it is the House. The House of Representatives is in charge. So if the House does not pass it, any number of things could happen between economic collapse, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. U.S. credit rating will decrease even further than the last time there was a debt ceiling fight. Well, this is and all, that occurred during Obama's administration. This is all very appealing to them because they can blame the administration. Because the administration, you know, the buck stops here. Yeah. So they can go in and cause all of this and say, this happened while he was in charge. Exactly. But what they're, I mean, what they're risking this time, it's not just our economy, it's the world's economy. They don't care about that the world's risking. economy. Well, they want that's, to put up walls. The problem with, this is the whole general problem with this party that I've been leading to with these stories is this part it's a party of nihilists all they want to do is destroy they're not offering to build or create or solve or fix they just want to destroy yeah okay that's all I can see from this party I now. can see how you see that and it's scary as fuck I mean the Democratic Party I consider them a bunch of incompetence at times which I'm going to get into later but this Republican Party is just bent on this agenda that really scares the fuck out of me sometimes I guess it's well I don't think it's new I think this has happened before like I said, the, the worst debt ceiling fight they had was during the Obama administration. And several Republicans did not vote to raise the debt ceiling, but they knew that their vote was not going to affect it being raised anyway. anyway. But this time, because of the close numbers in the House between Democrats and Republicans, now their votes are going to count. What do you, so you got these 20 people? Yeah. Holding everybody hostage? Probably, yeah. Probably about 20 of them. Oh, so... Yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah. That's all I can say. Stay tuned. And then what else did I have? There was another story I wanted to talk about. Oh, this is like the icing on the cake. I In New Mexico. Did you hear about the Republican candidate? Yeah, he was shooting people? Yes, he Not lost his property. election. Yes, and I was shooting He then house. claimed the election was rigged, even though he lost like by 48 points. Yeah. And he basically hired men to shoot up the homes of Democratic officials. Supposedly, he was at one of the shootings. And the brilliant criminal genius that he was he left text messages on his phone giving the locations. <laughs> but this is what we're, this is this is a guy who he was a convicted felon even before this. He had a criminal history, this guy. And they ran him as a candidate. What has happened to this Republican Party? It's like I said, it's scary as fuck. Yeah, well that's you know, that's who's in charge of it right now. Ay, it just I yeah, I just oh my god, it's, just all I can do is just shake my head and just in disbelief. No, those are the people in the world. These are the people in your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's time we move on to our next segment then. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. Okay, so what are you watching? What am I watching? I watched a show that you watched by accident. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Is that the one that... Treason. Treason. Yeah. Yes. The Canadian guy. Yes. Well, was it was it? a Canadian. He was, he was in the... the uh, or, no, he was British. He was British. He was, in the, he was the head of the intelligence... Well, he wasn't the head of the intelligence agency. 16. But he's manipulated by this Russian agent where he becomes the second in command. And then the head of the agency be, uh, is shot. He's not, he doesn't die. And then he becomes the temporary head of the agency. Right, right, right. That's all the first episode. And 
And yeah, and we watched the whole thing. It was enjoyable. But this lead character, I was cursing at him the whole time because he did the most stupid things every time. Okay. He just made things worse for himself with everything that he was doing. Okay. It was just like, stop already. It was driving me crazy. I didn't watch past the first episode. But and we watched the whole thing. I watched a couple, <laughs> like a couple of series first episodes. What's the the one that came after Game of Thrones? Oh, the, the prequel. I didn't watch. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched an episode of that. Okay, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Have you been watching RuPaul? I have been watching RuPaul. What's going on with her? Well, uh, she's beginning of the new season. It's only three episodes in. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So far, so good. So far, so good. You know, three episodes. They haven't done Snatch Game yet. Okay. They, you know, a few challenges. You know, you're separating the wheat from the chaff, and so yeah. Uh, and this is a long one. There's a lot of queens. It was a double episode opening. Mm. There's like 14 or 15, whatever queens. So you know, some. It's so weird. There's there's this guy I follow on one of the. It must be Twitter where he follows and breaks down Drag Race. Okay. And like Italian season one had eight episodes, but this one has thirteen episodes. And if they have more episodes, then they have more faith. In, and because it's this whole big thing now, it's this like global thing. So there's all of this data coming in, I suppose. Yeah. From this thing, and these people are like analyzing it to the nth degree, which is fun. Pointless, you know. <laughs> Absolutely pointless to notate that, you know, RuPaul Turkey is only going to have four episodes because they got to get the fuck out of Turkey before anybody knows they're there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. A lot of episodes first season. Uh, no. RuPaul. 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 Okay. Yeah. Anything okay. else you've been watching? Um, yeah. First episode of a lot of different things. <laughs> okay. You haven't gotten past the first episode. Yeah, because I have things. I forget what. Pla I was looking for the Game of Thrones things last night, and I couldn't find what fucking platform it was it's on. It's on HBO Max. Which I get through Apple TV, but I wasn't there when I went looking for it. Oh, that's weird. It's hard to keep track of where you watch. Either that or look games. on uh, Hulu. If you have HBO on Hulu. No, I don't have HBO on Hulu. I have HBO through Apple, which was a surprise to me. Okay. But I'm still not watching White Lotus. Oh, that's great. You'll Doesn't love that. Me. No? No. Oh, I think it's great. Grass Onion too. Well, I'm going to be talking about that in a minute, but before we get to that, I we watched an older series from 2016 called Paranoid. Okay. It was a detective uh, murder mystery and stuff. Really good. I really highly recommend it. Plus, it had this hot guy in it named Dino Fitcher or something like that. He appeared in these two other gay series named Cucumber and Banana. Oh, I saw Cucumber. Okay, he supposedly makes an appear. He appears in that. Okay. And he has a more developed character in the sequel series called Banana. Yeah, yeah. Hot guy. Those he, are so cute. And he plays one of the two detectives investigating this murder. So this woman's on a playground with her child, pushing the child on a swing, and someone wearing a hooded jacket comes up and stabs her. Okay. And that's the start of the series. All right. What'd they do with the kid? Uh, the kid was rescued by this other woman on the playground. Okay. But good series, eight episodes. I definitely recommend it. Definitely worth watching. Except for this one character, he's this older cop. Who's dealing with anxiety issues. And he just gets worse and worse. And you just want to slap him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you just want to slap him. 
Paranoid, it's called? Paranoid, yes. Right, okay. Then we watched The Menu. Did you see that? I did not. Good movie. Ralph Fiennes is the star of it, of course. But who really stood out in the movie to me was this young woman named Anya Taylor-Joy. She was also... Did you see The Queen's Gambit? Is that the about chess the, thing? The, yeah. I saw that much of it, though. I know oh, it's about you saw the, the first chess. episode. It's the chess <laughs> thing. I think that one I saw most of, but... She was in that. She was also in, did you see the movie Split with James McAvoy that had the split personalities? He's no. a killer and he holds this girl hostage. No. And then there's a sequel to it with Cole Glass with Bruce Willis and no. his character from Unbreakable. And she's like the, the she's like the main one of the main characters in that as well. Okay. And she's the main one of the main characters in this. Great actress. I really, really like her a lot. From what I understand, she's been nominated or she was nominated for a Golden Globe. Menu. For her appearance in the menu, yeah. She's in it. Uh, Nicholas Holt is in it, who is just... I just love Nicholas Holt. Don't know who that is. Uh, did you watch the series of the, uh, the Great about Catherine the Great? I did. He played uh, the king, the czar. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But good movie. It's all about all these elite people, I guess you could say. There's a uh, food critic and her editor. There's an actor there with his wife or whatever, some woman... Some people in finance. And then there's Nicholas Holt's character, who's this big foodie person. And he invites Anya Taylor-Joy's character, who's an escort. Okay. Because his date that he had canceled out the last minute. And he didn't want to go alone, so he hired an escort. Princess Gloria. And they go to this island where this chef has his whole big place where he serves his elaborate dinner. I don't want to say any more about it because it gets demented. The movie gets demented at times. Does he serve up any of the people? No. Everyone, that's what I thought too. That's what my friend Diana, we were talking about it on Facebook. The happy lawyer. Thinking it was, in, yes, Diana, the happy lawyer. We were talking, she thought it would involve cannibalism. I go, that's what I thought too from the promotional. I go, but there's no cannibalism involved in this. Okay. I said, that's a red herring or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's not like that. Would... It's a good movie where you see where it goes, but I had some issues with it. Then I also saw Glass Onion. Now, you saw that, you said? I didn't. You didn't see it. Don't interest me. Saw that. was good. It was entertaining. But it was a sequel. Uh, Daniel Craig played the same detective in it. Okay. It also takes place on an island owned by this billionaire Looks like an Elon Musk type of figure who develops this alternative energy source, okay. source, and a murder occurs, and it was entertaining. Both movies are entertaining. My problem with both of these movies is its heavy-handedness in mocking and taking down the elite, so to say. Okay. Like, the character played by Edward Norton. He's this billionaire. He's not really like Elon Musk. He's not a creator. He buys things. Right, he buys right, right. ideas. And he says all these malapropisms all the time with all his lectures and pontificating. So he's not a smart man at all. These other characters, they all have their various flaws, but they're all elites in their various fields. And spoiler alert, if you don't want to know what happens in the movie, turn it off right now for the next minute or two. Because I'm giving away something. You find out Edward, Norton char char Edward Norton's character is the murderer. Okay. And he, there's no proof dependent on him. So all the guests that he has there destroy his home to okay. retaliate against him. And now I'm going to give a spoiler alert for the menu. At the end, the the chef, played by Ralph Fiennes, basically hates cooking, hates the people that he cooks for, thinks that no one really appreciates what he's cooking, all these elite people. So he's going to kill them all at the end, which he does. End of the spoiler alerts. It's just the heavy-handedness 
in Take Down the Rich. Yeah, well, that Take Down the Rich. Fuck yeah, it. yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. We're gonna show him. But show this you. is how you're gonna. This is what supposed to be some kind of uh, uh, purgation or what, what's that? term when you're experiencing something through drama uh i can't think of it now i'm totally blanking i don't know this is unlike you uh i know uh i can't think of what this I'm... is much more like me yeah i know right <laughs> this is disconcerting but it's like when you reach that point saying oh yes that's what it is and this is just hammering you over the head with it okay and i i that's what i didn't appreciate them they were entertaining, but if you're trying to send some kind of message about fuck the rich, there are more subtle ways to do it. But I don't think Hollywood knows how to do satire anymore. I don't think, you know, some people don't get subtle. No. So they need to be hit over the head with it. I, I guess so. But there are times I think mainstream Hollywood just does not understand satire anymore. Like that, there was that movie that came out a year or two ago about some cataclysmic event was coming to Earth and no one was believing it was going to happen. Oh, don't stuff. look up. And Yeah, don't look up. I thought that was just so heavy-handed also, and <laughs> stupid. I thought it was great. Yeah, I know. Other people <laughs> I know enjoyed it. I I just thought it was just another heavy-handed, ridiculous movie. Okay, so you don't like heavy hands. No, I don't. I like subtlety. I like nuance, you know? Don't hit me over the head. Let me find it in the story, you know? Okay. You know, when you see a painting, you're not hit over the head with the painting. The painting is there for well, you. Well, no, that would damage it. the painting. <laughs> I mean... Uh, you know what I mean, right? I know what you mean. <laughs> so that was my story for that's my, all my story. That's all I watched for. Um, and you did all this that past in the week, week. Huh? all that in the past week, yeah, because I was busy with Tech Week and everything. Yeah, so yeah, that seems like a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It's a lot. It wasn't definitely a lot. Well, the series we watched in like two days it was like three ep three ep actually two and a half nights. We watched it. It's like three episodes every night. Right, right, right. Two to last. So, yeah, we watch plenty. But we now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Yes, it's time for Stupid People. Oh, Stupid People. And boy, do we got plenty of them this week. First off, are you familiar with the uh, World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland? Oh, uh, WEF? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm familiar. Yes, it's a whole big gathering of the world's elite. The billionaires, the business executives, certain celebrities, etc., etc. And they all gather to rub elbows and hold forums and masturbate each other mentally, I guess. I don't know. Wef. Well, among the attendees at one forum were Senators Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Oh. And Kristen Sinema was talking about how partisanship is not working in the U.S. government and stuff. And Manchin is seated next to her and he said, he asked her, well, we still don't agree on getting rid of the filibuster, right? And she goes, that's correct. And they high-five each other. Okay. It's like... You dumb fucks. You're getting money handed over to you hand and foot by your donors. Fucking Joe Manchin's a fucking multi-millionaire, I believe. Cinema basically sold out her interest in the pharmaceutical industry. You're at this forum of the world's elite, and you're high-fiving a legislative device that was used primarily by white supremacists to stop legislation to advance equal rights in this country. It worked for them. You know? And you're high-fiving that. Fuck you. Yeah, well, that's stupid. Fuck you. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. So those are my first ones. Okay. The next ones are Hamline University. 
Hamline? Yes. H-A-M? H-A-M-L-I-N-E. Okay. Located, it's a private school in the city of St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. What do they do over there, hmm. Hamline? Well, they chose not to renew the contract of Professor Erica Lopez Prater after one student objected to her showing a 14th century painting depicting the Prophet Muhammad in a lesson on Islamic art as part of the professor's global art course. Now, of course, for many Muslims, any visual depictions of the Prophet Muhammad are strictly forbidden. But not all Muslims observe that. And as noted by an organization I'm going to cite later, even some Muslim artists have painted images of Muhammad. It's not a universal thing. But this professor, she had even published in the syllabus for the program before the class even started that it would be showing images of Mohammed. She announced to the class in the very beginning, we'll be showing images of Mohammed. And she was showing it as part of this global art course. So this one student objected and they decided not to renew her contract. Oh, she's suing her for religious discrimination and defamation. Let me ask you a question. Yes. The student who complained, mm -hmm. complained about the depiction of Mohammed. Yes. Okay. Because I was thinking there's another complaint waiting in line for the... The, the being being offended that they're not teaching American Christian them. I just some, I saw something about that. Okay, there's much younger kids in a world studies. Well, this program. is about, this is a global art course. There right. is Muslim based art, there's Christian based right. art. You right, know? right, right, right. But but uh, that they should be teaching more American things and is that you know that kind of uh, mindset, which also would complain about this. Yeah, probably. Because it was a, a picture of Muhammad and it was a Muslim student objection to the or was it a Muslim student? It was a Muslim student okay. who objected. Or well, just some rando who complained about a picture of Mohammed. No, it was a student in the class. Okay. So so anyway, there's an or an organization here in the United States, a long-standing organization called the Council on American Islamic Relations. Okay. And they issued a, a statement out on this. It's it reaffirmed its long-standing policy of discouraging display of images of of Mohammed, while also noting that the academic study of ancient paintings depicting him does not by itself constitute Islamophobia. It said that it has seen no evidence that the Professor Prater had bigoted intent or engaged in Islamophobic conduct in the classroom. So, Miss Prater, good luck on your lawsuit. I hope you get a shitload of money from this university. For Fucking real. idiots. What's the name of the university? Cowline? Hamline. 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 Hamline University. Yeah. What do they do over there? Do they like, are they like the nursing school, the accounting school? No, no. It says a small private school in the a city of St. Paul. small private school in the city of St. Louis. Yep. All right, good for them. Yeah, idiots. And then lastly, for our stupid people, I have to name President Joe Biden and oh. the National Archives. This is... This is and, of course, we're talking about the documents found in his home, in his office that they were cleaning out. Now, yes, we know that there are differences. Trump purposely took those documents out, as far as we know. We don't know what his intent was with them afterwards, but considering his nefarious nature... He ignored subpoenas. Yeah, he ignored subpoenas. He resisted any cooperation with the National Archives. Right, so... Before they sent the FBI in to do a raid on Mar-a-Lago. Right. Joe Biden, of course, his attorneys discovered this. They turned over the documents immediately, and they've been cooperating with the investigation ever since. The thing is, what bothers me is, number one, did he know he, that he had these documents in his possession at all? That's number one. Number two, you knew his attorneys discovered this before the midterm elections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of that, the news about Trump and the documents came out after 
the midterm elections. So if you did know about your documents, why the fuck did you say anything criticizing Trump? Because yeah. now you're putting it, now you've put yourself in the same boat with him. Now you both have special counsel from the Justice Department investigating his. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Right? So I'm just like, fucking idiot. But then I also want to question about the National Archives and these documents. Did you not keep track of what documents were missing? I would imagine. What kind of recording system do you have for when documents are removed from the National Archives? How do you keep track of documents? I don't... Uh, okay, so... It, I mean, come on. How much... I, I would love to know how many other former presidents, if you went into their presidential libraries, if you would find any confidential documents in their pre, or their personal or presidential libraries. I'm sure you would. I'm sure you right? would find anything that's embarrassing to them. Yeah. Hidden away. I don't know, as far as the, the archives is concerned, like, I don't know that they have a checklist. Okay, we got this one from them, and we got this one from them. Like, each presidency must must create an avalanche of documents. Oh, sure. But they must have a thing where it says outstanding documents. But that's, you would think <laughs> you know? if they knew all of that, all of the documents that were created as they're created, mm -hmm. which I don't think they do. I think it sounds to me, or well, my impression, is that they get the shit ton of boxes and now they have to figure out a way to file it and keep track of it and notate what's on it. But they don't know ahead of time what's coming necessarily they're probably given an inventory or a summary of what's coming you think they you think i think they would help some, them, to help them organize it somebody somebody there is keeping track of every document i think created. with the computerization of documents today it's very easy to do yeah but but they're not computerizing the the top secret stuff mm -hmm. the embarrassing stuff That's, maybe not you know, it's maybe too not. easy to get to I don't know. It's, it's just a It's just a thing. mess, and I just saw it. Biden, you just landed your foot in it now. It was uh, unforced. Because error. now, now for the, like during the 2016 election, all you heard about was Hillary's emails, Hillary e Hillary's emails. Now we're going to hear about Joe's documents, Joe's documents, you know? Hunter's laptop. Yeah, Hunter's laptop, Joe's documents. It's just, oh, uh, it's... Do you know that nobody can produce Hunter's laptop? Like, it, nobody has possession of Hunter's laptop. Okay, I haven't been keeping track of that yeah, story. Either, much so every now and again, like, something just crosses me, and it's like, they don't even have this laptop. They don't even know where this laptop is. They don't know what's on this laptop. It's... Does this laptop exist? Now, does Hunter Biden have a laptop? Probably. Probably. <laughs> anyway, to all the people that we've already mentioned. Stupid! <laughs> You're so stupid! God, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Julie Andrews, save us! Roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. It's time once again for five faves. Okay. And for our last episode, for which you were not here for, not here for, we had named our five favorite fictional political films. Okay. So for this week, we I ask you to name your five favorite political films based on true events. Okay. So what's your first one? I like Lincoln. Me too. It's on my list. The 2012 film with Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Excellent film. That was good. Excellent portrayal of Lincoln, I thought. Uh, Scary. Yeah. He looked just like him. He sounded like him. I mean, yeah. there is actual recording of Lincoln's voice existing. And he gets that timber of that pitch. voice. Yep. He, it was phenomenal movie. 
Yeah. Really, I, like well, I was so impressed by that movie. I like that one. So we both had that one. So what's number two for you? Um, the 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 Bill Clinton one. The Bill Clinton one. There was a oh primary colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With John Travolta like and that. Emily Thompson. I like that. That was a good movie. It was yeah. that was entertaining. I like that. Although yeah. I hated seeing what happened to Kathy Lee, uh, Kathy Bates' character at the end. Yeah, but you know, you know, she because she got so disenchanted, so let down by them. That was kind of the point of it. I think. I know, I know. But it was still kind of sad. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really was. Yeah. But that's a good movie. Yeah. Number two on my list is All the President's Men. Um, the granddaddy, I think, of, pol- of great political films. Well, real life political, maybe. Yeah. Because the first thing I thought of was Manchurian Candidate. Ah, which is not... Yeah, that's... Yeah. follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but All the President's Men, Robert Redford, Danny DeVito... Uh, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Jason Robards. Excellent cast. Story of the two reporters, Woodward and Bernstein, tracking down the Watergate break right, and where right, it led right, to. Right, right. Phenomenal movie. Yeah. Really, really well done. So, what's number three for you? The Spotlight Count? Spotlight. I'm not familiar. Is that the movie about the Boston yeah, yeah. paper investigating the Catholic? Yes. Yes. That does count. Does that count? All right. Yeah, because that, that did reach into political dimensions. All right, I'm going to go with that one. That was a good... Michael Keaton was in that, right? I don't know. And Glenn... I don't remember now. Maybe I'm confusing with something else. But I remember that movie. That yeah. was really, really well done. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Horrible story. Oh, awful. Oh, my God. Just horrible. But really well done movie. Well, yeah, the movie was good. Next on my list is 1991's JFK by Oliver Stone. I didn't see it. You didn't see it? I didn't see it. Interesting movie. I wouldn't take it as gospel truth. He offers an interesting premise behind the assassination of Kennedy. Backs it up as best as he can. But there are some great performances in the movie by Joe Pesci. Who does Joe Pesci play? He plays a character who's like sort of a witness involved in what's going on. Uh, Kevin Bacon's in it playing a hustler. No. Yeah, playing a male prostitute. That's probably why I didn't see it. Uh, That's right, you're not a Kevin Bacon fan. No, it's not, I, it is not that I am not a Kevin Bacon fan. That's not what it is. And of course, Kevin Costner, who played the a district attorney who pursued this investigation yeah, yeah, yeah. and brought the only criminal trial in the Kennedy assassination against Clay Shaw. Clay Shaw? Yep. Yeah, I always thought that was one word. Clay Shaw? Clay Shaw. <laughs> who was played by... Uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones in the movie. Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. Who is that guy in what's his name? Yeah, what? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. All right, what's number four on your list? I don't have number four. Oh, come on. You have to have a number four. I, I, I don't. Um, when you talk about movies, I'm like out of the loop. Let's see. I pulled Spotlight out of my ass. I said Lincoln. Yes, you did. Has to be a movie. Yes, it does. I'm trying to think of some... Uh, my cousin Vinny isn't true. You're gonna kick yourself when I name my number four. Am I? Yes. What is it? Nineteen uh, two thousand eight film starring Sean Penn, Milk. Oh. About Harvey Milk. Oh. Excellent movie. Excellent film biography. Great performance by Sean Penn. Didn't see it. You didn't see it? I didn't see it. Oh my god! Uh, I'm an awful person. Can't believe you didn't see that. Of all people, bad gay. You are bad gay. Bad gay. I'm gonna send you back for training. I'd probably use a tune-up to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so I guess you don't have a number five then either. No, I have a number five. I just oh, didn't have a number four. Oh, what's your number five? I don't have a number five. <laughs> what the fuck is the matter with you? 
I'm trying to think of if there was a movie on, uh... Never mind. Okay. My last final choice is a comedy, actually, from 2017 called The Death of Stalin. No, starred uh, Steve Buscemi, who played Khrushchev in the movie. Okay. And it's all about what happens after Stalin died. Okay. And all the machinations that went on behind the scenes. Sounds like a laugh riot. It doesn't sound all that funny. The way they do it is funny as hell. Because everyone's plotting against each other. Everyone's paranoid about themselves. Really, really funny movie. Definitely, I recommend it. What's it called? The Death of Stalin. The Death? Okay. Yeah. It was on the cable. I remember it was on the cable channels for quite a bit for a while. You, can probably, you can probably definitely find it. But yeah, I highly recommend it. Steve Buscemi does a good job in that movie. Steve Buscemi's Khrushchev is really funny. Yeah. Yes, he is. He's very that's funny. Just, that's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for our, I guess, eight faves. <laughs> Come on, what other movies were there? Didn't we cover them all? No, I'm sure there are others. Can you think of any? Off the top of my head, no, because I'm already moving on to the next segment. Yeah, and we know how cleanly filed you are. Yeah? <laughs> I am compartmentalized. Compartmentalized, that's what I am. <laughs> Anal to a T. Find a box that's gay and crush it. <laughs> Bad, what's next? What's next? Uh -oh. Get off my lawn. Oh. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gaming gripe of the week. And what's your gripe this week, Tommy? Um, I had one. I can't remember. Because I got two. Do you? Yeah, let me borrow one. I got two. Tell no, me one. No, you can't borrow. No, you can't borrow mine. Well, then tell me one of your own. If you got two, I'll come in the middle. No, no, you got to bring your own. All right, so give me one. Tell All right, my first one is my show. One of the cast members on Facebook did a post saying there's no reason why there shouldn't be full houses to come see this show and stuff. Okay. And I understand his frustration because we had small we had a small house on Sunday. We had good houses the first two shows. Okay. But that's the nature of theater, you know? It's hit and miss with the shows, and if people don't know the show, they're not liable to come down necessarily yeah, and see right, it. Right, 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 right. So I understood his frustration. But it was amplified when I saw that there was some bar, I'm not sure if it was in Texas or whatever, was holding an event where people could pay $275 to see and hear Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh. The fucking I bet that was a freed success. killer. Yeah, I bet that was a success. They canceled the event. Did they? Yeah. Once the owners, I guess, of the bar or whatever caught wind of it or the pressure or whatever or the publicity, they canceled the event. And, of course, they got death threats and everything happened because of well, that. Yeah. But it's like, now I can understand even more of that frustration. Right. That people are willing to pay that kind of money to see a fucking... Teenage fucking killer. I mean, what are you going there for? To hear what words of wisdom he's going to say? He's a fucking dopey-ass kid. Why did they go see Roxy and Velma? Well, I, yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. So it's just, you know, it's morbid. I mean, people, you, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I just, ah, uh, it's just... God, you know what? I think it's, like, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. You could say you did it. Yep. You know, whereas going to see local people in a local theater production is... Cheaper, right? But it's it doesn't make as good a story. Of course not. You know it's the you know you don't know if you're gonna like it when you buy the ticket. <clears throat> so you know you, you pretty much know going into a Kyle Rittenhouse gig what you're gonna what's get. gonna get it? Well, yeah. yeah, what you're gonna get? It's just and you know the people who want to hear it are gonna be there, and the people who don't want to hear it are not gonna be there. Of course not. Yeah, you don't have that kind of certainty going into a theatrical performance. But you just always hope that we could do better than that, you know? We can do better than that. It would do better if more people went to see live theater. Yeah. As opposed to the MAGA rallies. Yeah, the freak shows. Well, the good news is, at least for that time, we know where they all are. 
<laughs> for a short time, yeah, yeah. right? So okay. that was my first gripe. That was your first gripe. My second gripe is with the New York State Democratic Party. Yeah. For a number of reasons. Number one, George Santos. It's bad enough the Republican Party put him up as a candidate without thoroughly vetting him. The fact that this party did not do any real opposition research into this guy. Do you think that's the issue? Or that I, they just didn't release it? Oh, I think they didn't do it. And I'll tell you why. Because the Democratic Party of the state of New York does not invest money in the in the Democratic in the races here on Long Island. They have basically ceded Long Island to the Republican Party. Okay. When you during election time, when you drive around on Long Island, you'll see signs for all the Republican candidates all over the place. You won't you'll barely see any signs for Democratic candidates because they don't have the money. Right. And I lay that at the feet of Jay Jacobs who's the chair of the New York State Democratic Party. I once confronted him when he was the chair of the Nassau Democratic Party. Isn't he the guy who got the convention center in New York named after himself? No, no, that's Jacob Javits. He was a former senator of New York. And who are you talking about? Jay Jacobs. Jay Jacobs. Different people. Jay Jacobs. <laughs> or Jacob, Jacob Averitz? Averitz Jacob? Jacob... Kravitz, Kravitz Convention Hall. Shut up! I'm gonna, I'm gonna play that. T I'm gonna play that clip. Jacob J. Kravitz. I'm gonna play that clip. But anyway, I, I didn't like him when he was a, when he was the leader down here in Long Island, and I sure as fuck don't like him as the leader of the of the State Democratic Party. Well, and they just screwed the governor too. Well, that was the next thing I was gonna bring up. This Governor Hulk Hochul, I guess that's how you pronounce her name. Hochul nominates this right wing judge from the Second Judicial Department of New York to be the Chief Justice of the New York State Court of Appeals. And thankfully, the the Senate Judiciary, the State Senate Judiciary Committee, by a vote of ten to nine, along party lines, of course. Voted down the nomination. I don't think that was along party lines. Yes, it was. Seven of them only voted. Seven people only voted present. They didn't vote, but the vote was basically ten to nine. But the Democrats voted against him. Yeah, the ten Democrats. They won on that vote. Right. So they they the ten, the Democrats voted against their party's governor. Uh, her her choice, choice for chief justice for of chief the court justice. of appeals because He's, he was considered anti-labor anti-abortion, right. and people do not understand why she nominated him in the first place. Right. It's like, she must have made some kind of deal with the Republicans up there in Albany, you know? That's the only explanation. The Democrats don't have it. They're not having it. This party is, is turning more blue in this state. I mean, so yeah, more red in the state than blue. It really is. It's just becoming more conservative. We This country needs a viable third-party movement. And the problem with these third-party movements, they always start with, let's run for president first. No, you gotta start from the ground up. You build up from local races, into state races, into national races. That's how you build up a third-party movement. But no one wants to do that. That's gonna take generations. It takes time, but the Republicans have waited, what, 40 years to get Roe v. Wade turned over, and they were very patient about it, in a matter of speaking. They did everything they could to obstruct the right to an abortion before the Roe v. Wade was even overturned. Yeah. You know? So it may take generations, but it, but it needs to be done. It, we need another party movement here. We really do. Okay. So, did you come up with your own gripe yet? Uh, no, I'm, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> and what are your thoughts? Um, I, I, I often think that the Civil War, the, the forcing of the Union together... Yes. 
may have been a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hesitate. You are not alone in thinking that. I, I hesitate because the anti-slavery thing it had to happen, and uh, and I don't want um, I don't want to imply the that getting rid of slavery was a mistake. Oh, of course not. My what I'm saying is forcing. But maybe we should have let the Confederacy leave. The Confederate rebelling right? states leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just because it's yeah. they've been the source of a lot of this country's turmoil for and, too long now, and there's enough of them to give credence to the fact that they say the same thing about us that we're turning everything into a crazy place. I know, and and you know, there's plenty of them that think so. Yeah, maybe they'll win. I'll be I mean, dead. I don't give a fuck. I think you'll be around. Yeah, for, for that, I don't think so. <laughs> But uh, the whole idea of forcing all of those people to live, not even live together, because uh, it seems like it's too many people, it's too broad a country, it's too many different places, you know what I mean? Like, I know. You know. Like, Texas and New Hampshire, never the twain shall meet. Of like, course there's not. nothing about them that's similar no. in any particular way. So, uh, it's just weird. I mean, other, I mean, when I was looking into that story about Heinrich of Prussia. Heinrich. And I, when I was reading about Spain and... Um, the dogs. The dogs. And when I was reading about this province, Navarre, and it's an autonomous province in Spain. It's part of the Basque community. There are 17 autonomous provinces or communities in Spain that basically have their own autonomous, you know, governing. Right. Within certain limits, of course. Like the Vatican. Like city, like the city-state, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you'd almost call out the same thing here. A city-state within a state itself. Right, that's independently ruled and run. Italy has a bunch of those, too. Yeah. Yeah, the Vatican is one. And then there's, what's the name of that place on the hill with the three towers? I was there. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I can't believe I can't remember the name of this place. I was there. I can't remember. Okay. You can tell us next time. Next time, yeah. I'll remember. <laughs> This brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode. Oh, that's so sad. I know. I can tell you're upset. Uh, oh, oh <laughs> hold on. I almost had the name of it. San Marino. Oh, San Marino. Yes. That's correct. Thank God. Jesus. <laughs> Good old San Marino. San Marino at the top of that hill. But anyway, you can uh, follow us, of course, on Facebook and Twitter for our daily postings. And you can find all of our podcast episodes plus bonus material on our website, www.grumpyoldgameandtheirdogs.com. And of course, if you're feeling theatrically minded this weekend, you can go see Tommy at the bar at the Mattis Studio Theater and on Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst, where he'll be attending bar at the show, uh, what's it called again? The Panic of 39? Pa pa panic on the Front Page. Panic on the Front Page. Panic on the Front Page. Panic in the headlines? Uh, <laughs> You're the one working there. You tell me. I, don't, I think it's Panic on the Front Page. Or if you want, you can come see my show. I'll be in the lobby, uh, the uh, South Shore Theater Experience, where you can see our production of The Pavilion for its last three performances. This is on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Although by the time you get this, it'll only be two performances left. <laughs> it's good for you to think ahead like that. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Very thoughtful of Very, very thoughtful <laughs> So we will be back next week for a whole brand new spanking episode. And until then... Wait, we're having a spanking episode? Yes, a spanking episode. Okay. We're bringing a dominatrix in, okay? Pa why dominatrix? <laughs> why not? Because... They're more fun. We're both gay. <laughs> Panic on the front page. Panic on the front page. Studio Manus Theater. Manus Studio Theater. Manus Studio, whatever. Whichever. Whatever. So until next week, have a good night. Have a good week. 
Have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches.